Hello, this is Ibarian X, and welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. Though a lot of people aspire to become professional photographers, few have the determination to really see it through and make it happen. Because beyond learning the technical aspects of photography, there's another part of it that involves being able to run your own business. And the challenges that you face there in terms of procuring clients, uh, writing invoicing, doing all the paperwork, and just marketing yourself as a photographer is, is daunting for many people, which is why even though there are a lot of people who dream about doing photography, it doesn't result in a lot of people actually doing it. And today's guest, Jonathan Hansen, is a guy who I met six or seven years ago when he was first starting out in his his goal to be a professional photographer. And I'm pleased to say that he, he succeeded in, in many ways. And I wanted to sit down and talk with him about the various aspects about his photography business and his photography career that revolve Outside of making pictures, though we do touch on some of the images that he's, he's made over the last several years, particularly some of the personal projects that he's working on, I thought it would be a valuable opportunity to share with you photographers out there who are interested or already involved in trying to make a career as a commercial editorial photographer some insights into what it takes today to make it a go as a pro photographer. So I hope that you sit back and enjoy our conversation with Jonathan Hansen. This episode of The Candid Frame is sponsored by Squarespace. Now, Squarespace has this beautiful and intuitive website platform that allows anyone to easily create professional web pages, blogs, online stores, and galleries all on a single platform. It's easy to do because you simply start with one of Squarespace's award-winning designs. You add images and content, anything you'd like to sell online, then connect your social accounts, and you'll have a website that looks great on virtually any device. All Squarespace accounts come with award-winning 24-7 support, which is really important to me, and as well as cloud hosting and real-time analytics. So if you sign up for a year, they even give you a free domain name. Now, whether you're a creative professional, business owner, or blogger, Squarespace makes it easy to bring your ideas to life. And you can try it all for free. There's no credit card required. Just try it out and start building your website today. Then if you decide to purchase it, use the offer code CANDIDFRAME2 and get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, including monthly and annual plans. That's squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME2. Everything you need to create an exceptional website. Well, Jonathan, welcome to the Candid Frame. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's literally been years since I've talked to you. Yeah, six or seven. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's going to be kind of interesting to sort of play play catch up uh, with you um, and see what you're doing. I took a look at your website and and seeing that you've been uh, keeping yourself busy. But let, let's start with your passion for photography. Uh, in in taking a look at your work and reading a little bit about you, it seems like storytelling is a big part of what you you like to do because not only are you a photographer, but you're also a, a, a writer or at least studied both following both paths. Yeah. But tell me about why photography is such an important part of what you want to do. Um, well, I think it's a I think it's 
a way of helping to look at the world and try and make some sort of sense for yourself. You know, photography is a very personal, personal thing for me. And so it's always been a way for me to uh, look at the world, slow down, have a reason in a way to stop and admire the things that are beautiful and also to stop and look at the horrible things that have happened um, or happening and find the beauty in that. I was just at this Dan Winters lecture down south in Austin and he was a way of, and he said photography, um, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but is a way of editing, editing the world around you. So it makes sense. Hmm. And I, and I really have to say, I agree with that. So how is the world making sense now that you, you know, been picking up a camera on a regular basis and doing a variety of work? (laughs) So taking, taking our lead from Dan, how are you able to make sense of the world in a way that you wouldn't if you weren't picking up a camera? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. I I would say through my adult life, photography has been present. Um, So I haven't, I haven't really detached myself from that. For me, I I just love, I love meeting people. I love interacting with people. I love to hear people's stories. And um, photography is that way, or even even that excuse to um, stop and ask and, and, and explore. You know, I think the great photographers are very curious. Photography sort of helps, I guess, someone illustrate that curiosity or make sense of it or, you know, explore a bit. Yeah. Well, I, I met you when I took a workshop with Jay Mizell at the Santa Fe Photographic Workshop, where you were working. So you, you you were privy to having an opportunity to sort of sit at the feet of a variety of different photographers while you were there. What do you feel that that time there, how did that benefit you in terms of, not only in terms of how you may have come to shoot as a, as a photographer, but sort of refining what your vision was in terms of what you wanted to do with a camera? Well, those years are really informative for me. Uh, I was just sort of starting out and I was maybe, you know, I, I got into photography when I was around, you know, I'm 31 now, but I just, I first time I picked up a camera, I was around 22, 23 and I had just graduated college and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I knew writing wasn't necessarily it. You know, I loved writing, but I didn't have the passion that you need in order to be a writer who's going to make a living at it or a freelance writer who's going to be successful. You know, these are sort of the arts that, you know, when you start trying to figure out how you're going to make a living through your artwork, I mean, you have to be incredibly passionate about that. And I knew I didn't have that. And photography was sort of taking that spot. And so I was looking for opportunity to try and create you know, a way to learn and gain as much experience as I could, but still yet find my, you know, find myself through photography, find my, my visual um, language, if you will, because in the beginning, it's so confusing and you have no idea where to start. And for me, it was just about stopping and taking pictures. And, you know, that's really the only way you're going to find your style or find your eye or find what you're drawn to. It's just by taking a lot of pictures and, you know, working at the workshops during those, during those years really helped that. What what kind of insights did you take away from there with respect to making a living as a photographer? Because I'm sure there's a, a wealth of material that's available to you in terms of how to make better pictures, but in terms yeah. of the practical uh, the practical aspects of actually being able to make that your your means of of, of sustainable income. But I don't think I really actually learned that yet. I mean, I'm still learning it, but I don't think I learned it until years in. In the beginning, I think it's really easy to get focused and caught up into the business side of it, which is obviously really important to to know and learn. But at the heart of it, 
You know, it's about making pictures and it's about, you know, finding your voice and finding what it is that you want to say. So I, I wouldn't, I would say, you know, not till three years later did I actually start investing the time and energy into figuring out what I needed to do to try and, and make a living at it. What was sort of the catalyst for that then? You know, cause you, cause a lot of people share your, your passion for making pictures, but mm-hmm. I guess there is, there comes a time where it's like, okay, the, the rubber's got to meet the road. And if I'm serious about this, I have to do X in order to make that happen. Was there sort of an epiphany for you where you realized that I have to do A, B, and C in order to really make this thing happen or, or not? Well, I would say like right after the workshops, I went back to St. Louis for a year where I'm from and lived at home, saved up some money. And during that time, uh, I was assisting a lot of photographers. And that's when I started realizing what does it take to run a studio? How do how are these guys making enough money to run a studio and have a staff? Uh, How are they getting their assignments? How are they dealing with contracts? And that's when I started investigating and, um, I started, I joined the group editorial photographers back then, you know, that resource was really uh, beneficial to me. And it was inspiring in a way to hear all these photographers talking about maintaining their rights and, and making a living doing it and, and fighting against contracts for editorial clients that just aren't fair and, you know, make it almost impossible to make a living. And that was sort of the catalyst, I think, is when I started seeing the power in, in that. Yeah, because trying to make a living as an editorial photographer is is tough enough with the minimal budgets that they allocate for that. But on top of that, having publications or publishers that want to sort of commandeer copyright, that makes it a a landmine. So how do you come to to the point where you can make a really informed choice that benefits you over the long term when you're faced with, okay, I want to do editorial work. Um, I'm trying to make a living and, you know, I'm getting these modest budgets, but then all of a sudden these people who I'm, I'm kind of depending on to give me this opportunity to shoot are going for these rights grabs. So how do you sort of learn how to negotiate that with people or learn to at certain, at certain times maybe walk away? Well, I think one, you got to make mistakes and that's just the hard part of life is you learn from those mistakes. You know, I've made quite a few of them, but also just having a network and community of photographers that, you know, who have been in the business for 20 years can help mentor you and give you advice and people that who are also your peers so you can bounce ideas off. And I mean, they're going through a lot of the same things and we're all going through a lot of the same things. So just having that network to help make informed and educated decisions, I think is a lot of it. And the other part is, you know, you always have to ultimately the only person that's looking out for you is yourself and especially in, in, in the business of photography, um, hence the rights grabs and everything because people realize the value of imagery and that's why they want it in order for you to sort of maintain um, a business. You kind of have to walk into this with the ability to walk away or at least you know, have the leverage. You have no leverage until you're willing to just walk away from a deal if it's just not, it's not good for you. I mean, no, no deal is going to be good enough to throw away your rights or your, your livelihood in a way. Without naming names, can you give us an example of, of when you've had a moment where you felt like, okay, I got to stand my ground in order to, you know, retain my, my ownership of these images and not give it away, but still create a relationship with the client that allows you both to achieve something that you both can be happy with? Um, well, you know, I would, I would love to say that 
a lot of the work I've turned down for, you know, work for higher contracts have come back to me and say, you know, when they moved on to other clients or other, you know, companies they've worked, they're working for um, with opportunity, but it just hasn't happened yet. Mm. You know, and not to say that it won't, but I mean, there are opportunities for, I was shooting that where I've had opportunities to shoot for a publication uh, down in DC. And I mean, they approached me on like four or five different assignments. I, I personally really liked the editor and I liked what, what she was doing, but it's beyond her control when you have a room full of lawyers at a corporate headquarters writing these contracts. And, you know, her instructions are don't change. We can't change it. You know, there are no amendments, mm-hmm. which immediately to me tells me that this obviously isn't good for me if they're not even going to let me amend it. You know, they're obviously not looking out for my benefit. And so I had to turn down a lot of those jobs. And it was, it was it's frustrating because a lot of them are really great opportunities. But in the end, I would rather keep my rights and my the photographs and, and produce the work that I want. And you know, I'll, I'll be happy with myself that way than if I sort of give in and just do it because I need the you know the five hundred bucks that like that month or whatever you know. Well, some photographers justify it one, like you said, because they need the money, and and others would say, well, this is going to be a good opportunity. I'll have a nice tear sheet uh, uh, from it. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely you, you do have to weigh those, and um, you know, in this particular instance, I didn't think the work that I was going to be producing would necessarily be worth the the tear sheet or worth you know the the pictures on my website. So, you know, you do have to, there are a lot of other variables you have to consider for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I obviously have uh, opinions about that, but I think one of the, the, the things about that, that way of thinking about accepting those kinds of terms is like, okay, at what point do you not accept those terms? You know, that's, that's, yeah, that's a good question, but I, I just think it's relative. I think it's just relative to the assignment and to the job and, how the pictures are going to be used and, you know, what if, let's say, you know, let's say, for example, you decide to take the job and then who knows something happens, a historic moment happens and you capture it. Now that's no longer yours. Like you have no longer any claim or rights to that. And I, there's always that what if for me in the back of my head. Yeah. So uh, tell us about building relationships with editors where you did have the, you know, the ability to be able to control, you know, your, your images and cause with editorial, it's oftentimes the relationships that you build with the art buyer or the photo editor that, that are really valuable to you as a, as a photographer. So initially, a lot of people think about, well, sending out promo cards to, to these people and hopefully they'll give them a gig. And that's a, an important problem device for being able to do that. But I, I think that it's oftentimes the ongoing relationship that, that's more important than anything else. So can you tell us about how you develop those for your own career? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I do obviously do the promotion, the promo cards and the, and the email promos, but I also take the time to look at the work people are producing and contact those people and let them know that I really enjoy what they're doing and, and encourage them to continue to do it and that I would like to work with them. And sometimes that, you know, people like respond to that and they get back to me and, and, um, and want to connect on projects or, or, you know, it may not happen now, but a year and a half later when something comes up that I'm a good fit, fit for, I'm considered for it. You know, it's, it's all about being, I think a lot of it is about being personable and connecting people or two people that have similar priorities or similar interests and, um, and the work in, you know, in the work. 
So tell me about the the kind of editorial work that you you do because you've done uh, a mix of portraiture, sort of documentary style work, photojournalistic work for magazines and and for uh, some work in the music industry. But tell us about the kind of stuff that you really really love to do. What does that What does that look like? Uh, what I love to do, I love go- going behind the scenes or seeing the inner workings of things that are normally closed off to people. I love that that fly on the wall storytelling documentary work, journalistic in nature, where you just are kind of there. That that's when I love. That's why I became a photographer is to see things that I can't normally or wouldn't normally be allowed to see without the camera in my hand. You know, unfortunately, the, the that kind of work is you know it's less and less, but. Um, the, my bread and butter ends up being a lot of portrait work, um, which I, I love to do just because I love interacting with people. But at the heart of it, it's definitely being in, and seeing things that I don't normally get to see. So when you get get in contact with an editor and they say they want you to work on something, are they oftentimes throwing you a, a shoot and saying, we want a portrait of this or we want a story done on this? Or do you eventually get to the point where you're actively pitching to some of these publications, um, things that you're interested in that you think would be a good fit, or is it a, a mixture of both? It's definitely both. Yeah, it's definitely a mixture of both. Not all stories are, you know, they have the space for, or they, or they want to run. Sometimes those things sort of line up. And, and the, for example, I've been working on this Baltimore series that I've been shooting, and I ended up getting commissioned to do a portrait of David Simon, who wrote The Wire. And Frederick Spiegel, I got to spend two or three hours with David. We drove around the city of Baltimore. He showed me, he basically gave me a tour of the wire where they filmed a lot of it, gave me a lot of backstory, talked about a lot of the real characters that the, that the characters on the television show were inspired from. And so what they ended up doing is end up running, you know, a few of his portraits and some of those images. And they took some of that personal work that I had been working on in Baltimore and ran it side by side with, mm. with portraits, which is a really nice and an incredibly gratifying thing that, to have and see. And, and where do you fit in the personal work? Because I know you've been working on a, on a project that you helped uh, get funded through Kickstarter to mm-hmm. um, do a project on midwives in Ethiopia. But before we get to that, in terms of the role of personal projects, in terms of building up your body of work, what how important is that for you? Incredibly. I mean, I would say that most of the work you see on my website is work that I've shot for myself. I mean, even when I'm shooting for a client... You know, in the back of my head, it's ultimately for me. They hired me to do something that they think I do really well. So that's what I strive to do. You know, like I was saying in the beginning of, of our discussion, that the photography for me is just a really personal uh, personal thing that I, I, I do. And if it, if it weren't for the personal work, I, you know, I wouldn't be a photographer for sure. So tell me about this, this project that you've um, been doing in Ethiopia. What was this, the inspiration for that? Because I know you had traveled there before because there was like this religious ceremony of St. Mary's that you documented earlier. Yeah, that was actually part of that same trip. I spent about a month there. I was working, there was a, uh, a photo editor, Maggie Soliday, who works with American Lawyer Magazine, and she had commissioned me to shoot some stuff, um, some portraits for her in, in the D.C. and Baltimore area. And we had become, um, we had become friends, and um, she ran this organization called Salam Garage, which it's a kind of uh, citizen journalism in a way, you know, photography to try and do good. And she threw out some workshops or some um, upcoming programs that they're running and asked me if I wanted to get involved and um, that they're heading down to or over to Ethiopia. And um, I said, yeah, I'd love to. So I started raising some money and researched the project, found, you know, that maternal health down or over there is 
a huge issue and decided to, you know, investigate and, and spend some time documenting and, and trying to create some powerful work. And how long ago was that that you actually shot that? And what, what, in terms of sort of discovering the story, because it's one thing to have a, a general sense in terms of what you want to shoot, but once you kind of get there, it often evolves or changes from that. So what, what was that experience like for you? Uh, it was, it was an amazing experience. I went, towards the end of 2011, November, December, 2011. And like you said, you know, you have the idea of what it's going to be or what you want, but then when you get there, it ends up being something totally different. Mm-hmm. And especially in a, in a country like Ethiopia, where, you know, infrastructure is not always present and simple things like roads, <laughs> you know, they aren't available. So you kind of have to get resourceful and figure out how to make things work on the ground. I think it's really important to have kind of a network or at least some sort of support on the ground when you get there or people that, you know, you can contact who can, who can at least point you in the right direction. That's critical. And what are you helping to do with, with the work? Because as people who've listened to the show earlier, you know, previous episodes have heard that the sort of the market for stories like that has, has really diminished from, from its heyday, you know, say in the 60s and the 70s. So when you create this work, it's really meant for an audience. So how are you, how are you finding that audience and connecting with it so that the work have some sort of impact? Well, it's definitely, I think there's definitely an audience online. You know, I've worked to try and get the work out through online, you know, resources just to try and get people to see it. I, the project isn't quite finished yet. I want to go back and continue to work on it. So I haven't pushed as hard as I normally would just because it hasn't been, you know, it's not completed yet. Mm-hmm. When I get to that stage and I feel like it's finished, I'll definitely make a, make a run, run with it. But I think, I think online really is, is going to be a key to publishing a lot of the work that isn't, that you're not seeing in print anymore. Um, but I, I am curious to see, you know, as digital subscriptions go up to, with magazines, how, in a, you know, those documentary stories are going to start making a comeback. Yeah. You know? Well, like we we mentioned right before the interview started, that there's a lot of hustling involved with being a photographer, hustling in terms of getting the personal work out there, hustling in terms of getting editorial and commercial clients. So, you know, what what does that look like to you? Because a lot of people, when they imagine the life of a photographer, thinking, think about, oh, exotic locations, beautiful people, expensive equipment. And the reality of it is a lot uh, a lot less shiny and new uh, than that. So what does that look like to you in terms of the, the work that you have to do to create the opportunities for you to actually go out there and pick up the camera and shoot? Well, I think a lot of it starts with that personal work and getting out there and finding out what it is that drives you as a photographer and that you're passionate about. Because when you put yourself into your work, ultimately that's when it's going to be at its best. And for me, it's about taking pictures and then finding a way to get the, those personal, those, you know, that personal work in front of people through, you know, marketing, email, cold calls, client, you know, setting up meetings to show people whatever you can do to get it in front of as many people as, as I possibly can. Yeah. The, that's really just the cycle of how it works. You know, it's go shoot a bunch, um, try and show it. Um, hopefully something happens. If not shoot more, it's just, same thing over and over. Was that something you felt very comfortable with at the beginning, or did you find that just out of necessity that you had to learn to be good at it in terms of reaching out to people, particularly like the cold calls and, and just being persistent in terms of reaching out? Cause just sending out a promo card and just waiting by the phone doesn't do it. It's no, very good. so 
Uh, you know, have to be a little uh, aggressive, and it's not something that a lot of people are are comfortable with, at least at first. But it has to become part of it. So, how did you muster that and and learn and, and persist at, at doing that? Well, I think it's just that drive want to want to succeed um, and to want to make a living. Doing it. I can't picture myself doing anything else. So. I don't know quite else what I would do. So I have to make this work. Also, I think as I'm getting older and my, and my work is, is coming together more and I'm um, becoming more confident in myself and that confidence is huge. And knowing also how to talk about your pictures. Mm. It's a big thing. You know, you have to be able to go into a, a meeting and be able to present a portfolio and talk about the work and how this can apply to their projects. Now, you know, I've, I've actually had, the response where like there were people telling me, you know, the work's great. It's beautiful. But how, how am I supposed to use this? And, you know, part of that, I find that really frustrating one because, well, you're, you know, these people are art directors, art buyers, et cetera. Part of their job is to envision and create and say, take things and appropriate to new work or new projects. So I find that kind of frustrating, but at the same time, you know, it just illustrates you how you have to um, be able to talk to it and tell people how it's going to apply and tell people, you know, this is, this is, this is what I do. And this is an example of it. And this is how it can work for you. Yeah. Um, so you kind of have to become a, a salesman in a way. But how do you contend with those, the, that feeling, you know, that feeling of sort of disappointment of rejection, that's almost an inevitable part of being, uh, pursuing a personal uh, passion. It can sometimes be debilitating. And, and I know oh, that sometimes it can, you can, I know for me, speaking for myself, I can have moments where I'm just like riding high. And then there are days, if not weeks, where I just feel completely despondent and feeling like, did I make the right decision? But yeah. so how do you, how do you get through that? And how, and how do you sort of, it seems like it's an inevitable part of being an artist, but how do you personally negotiate all that stuff so that you can see through those those moments of disappointment and still pers- persist in producing the work, putting yourself out there and creating those new opportunities for yourself? Well, I think part of it is having community. Going back, what I was saying earlier, is having that group of people that they're all going through the same thing and we're, a lot of us are feeling the same way. And unfortunately, I think you know Facebook has been a wonderful tool but it also creates i think a false sense of success for people because you know it's sort of in i don't it's kind of an ego driven medium where we're always talking about ourselves and all these great things we're doing um so i think it's easy to see these things for other photographers you know i know myself included you know come down harder on yourself saying well i'm not doing this i'm not i should be doing this why am i what's the problem and i think you got to at some point to shut that off and focus on what you're doing and um get you know, go back to your community and, um, you know, get a little support, get a little love. And, uh, and, you know, I think it, that ultimately helps me. I know I just, I personally just went through a month of feeling horrible. You know, I didn't think my work was any good and I wasn't producing anything. The work was, the actual paid work was coming in kind of slow. And so I picked up and went down to to Austin, Texas for the um, photo roundup they had down there and got my inspiration up, talked to my peers, bounced ideas off and came back feeling refreshed. And, you know, and I'm ready to do it again. It's, It's important to get out of that bubble. Yeah, especially when freelancers especially work for themselves and usually work from home. So there's no, you know, unless you're actually getting out of your, getting, getting you out of your pajamas and out into the street and, and, and interacting with people, it can be very um, isolating. 
you know, it's really, I think it's really important to have um, a group of people that you can reach out to and, and get out of, get out of that bubble because it's so easy to get stuck. Yeah. That Austin event was coordinated by uh, Jasmine DeFore, who was a former guest of, of the show. And I know that you worked with her in terms of your, your branding and creating yeah. your sort of identity. Talk about that, that process. Cause I think a lot of people think about photography and they think, well, the work is going to speak for itself, but it's just the nature of marketing yourself that you have yeah. to be concerned with all these other elements. So tell me about what that process was like for you and what were some of your big takeaways in terms of what you realized that you needed to do in order to really uh, make an impression on those people who do the hiring. Uh, well, my experience with Jasmine has been wonderful. I had suspected that it was going to be good, which is why I contacted her in, in the beginning. Um, I know she was heavily involved with Re the Redux Pictures through its infancy. And that, to me, the fact that it's you know survived and doing so well these days spoke volumes. Um, and not, not to mention, I had spoken to a lot of photographers that worked with, worked with her. What inspired that whole thing was that I knew personally I wanted to take my work or at least my brand identity into a more commercial world. So I'm, over the last couple of years and, and going forth, I wanted to increase the number of commercial commissions I do a year. And so part of that rebrand was with that in mind. And so in part of that, you know, it involves just letting someone else drive for a little bit, um, which can be hard for people, especially when it's their own work. And, you know, going into that, I really had to put myself in a, in a mental state where I was going to embrace what I, the feedback I was hearing and, and run with it. And that's hard to do when you have a certain vision or a certain way you want your pictures to, to, to or pictures you want to show. And, you know, someone comes in and says, well, that may not be the best one. Let's try, how about this one? You know, it takes a lot of, uh, you know, trust in someone to do that. Hmm. You know, and I've worked, I've walked away with, uh, I have to say that, you know, I've walked away with a better understanding of editing, which is huge. Um, editing your own work and presenting, presentation is a really big thing. And also consistently marketing. I mean, you're not going to send out one batch of postcards and get work. You're going to do it for a year, you know, four or five times before, before you start getting anything. And, you know, part of the, that learning process is just understanding that, that, you know, that you're in for a long haul. This isn't a, a short-term investment. Anything that work. I mean, I, I'm a big proponent of learning how to do that. And, but it's a skill that's not taught to, to most photographers. No, um, it's not. When it comes to looking at the, the body of work that you produced over a year and, and when you start thinking about, okay, I'm going to use these images to promote myself. What, what are you thinking about? Because, you know, you may have some pictures that you love, but they may not necessarily be the best images to use to promote and create opportunities of a, of a certain ilk of photography that you would like to do. So how do you go, go between what you personally like and images that really are going to be the most effective marketing tool? I think part of it is keeping in mind where you're, you have to have goals. You know, through this entire thing, whether you're just picking up your camera or you've been doing it for 20 years, you need to have goals so you can stay focused and, and um, keep the eye on the prize. And for me, that comes in the form of, you know, who do I want to work with this year? Who are my dream clients? Who, what's the most ideal project I could get this year? And so I try and create pictures or at least show pictures that would help lend themselves to those ideal situations and, and dream clients. And then trying to get those pictures in front of the people that would help make it are responsible for it. Well, you're represented now by an agency called Wonderful Machine. 
Mm-hmm. And th- th- tell us about how that came about, because a lot of people think, oh, God, all I need is to get some representation and then everything will sort of come together for me, which is yeah. a-, a misnomer. But nevertheless, I- I'm interested in hearing about how you came to be represented by them and what difference has that made in terms of, of your photography business? Well, Wonderful Machine um, is really interesting, and I think that they are very inventive, and that's what drew me to them in the first place, is that they saw the issues and saw the things that were happening. You know, there were agencies collapsing or at the time that I joined them. I joined, you know, in 2008 when they were first starting, and uh, Bill Kramer, the CEO, you know, gave me a call and, and went through my work, and we talked about it in depth, and then... Um, I decided to, to join. And what I appreciate about what their, about their business model is, is the importance on marketing. And they've really d- hustled to create a portal, if you will, for our buyers and editors and people who are looking for photographers in certain cities or a certain style. And for me, it's been, it's been, it's been great. They've, you know, I've gotten a lot of great work and assignments through them. And uh, not only that, but they also have on the back, help on the back end with consulting and post in you know production. If you have a big shoot and you need help with logistics or or anything like that, um, they're there for you. And just because you have an agency doesn't mean that you have to, you abandon your own your own marketing efforts, right? Oh, not at all. It's just you know it's one of the many many little webs I have out there. You know, I'm a member of Photofolios. I have stuff on Photoserve. You know, I have uh, my blog and social media. I have my own email marketing. I have my own um, print marketing. It just goes on and on. It's just, yeah, there's no one single recipe for um, success. But that, that consumes a lot of time. I mean, I know it from my end. I mean, I'm, I'm a one-man band here, and I don't have enough time for all the things that I need to be able to do. So how do you strike that balance between not getting bogged down in all that stuff and, and not going out there and doing the, the personal work, uh, particularly? Cause if you get a, a job and an assignment, then that's sort of defined for you. But yeah. when you get all these things to do, all of, you can get into this thing where like, okay, I got to do all this stuff in order to bring the money in. But then all of a sudden that time that you might dedicate to going out and just shooting, shooting something that just serves you ends up getting lost. So how do you ensure that you make that time during the course of a week or a month to, to make those things happen? Well, I think part of it's being organized and having the infrastructure there uh, and you're on your own side for your business and also having help. You know, I sort of have put a value on my time and anything that, it's going to be, you know, bulky time consuming. I, I work with an intern that gets college credit. And I also have an assistant that comes in sometimes on average once a week to help with office work or processing or whatever it is that I need done. So having those, you know, that support system that, you know, you kind of have to create for yourself is, is I think is really important. So if, if you were able to speak to that, that fledging photographer from six or seven years ago uh-huh. and and give him some insight that you have now that you didn't know then, but you think that it would be invaluable. What what would that be? Um, that's you know that's a great question. You know I don't know because everything I've done I have to say has spun off into to something else, and that's how I've gotten here. You know, and I'm, I feel like I'm in a place that I'm happy. I mean, obviously not too happy because I'm striving to do more and more um, with it, but. I would definitely say just keep taking pictures because ultimately that's what it's about and that's how you're going to survive. Even when it's slow and and work isn't coming in and um, you feel stuck, it doesn't matter if you have a if you have a, a particular project. Just get out on the street or 
call someone up and, and, and take some pictures because that's ultimately why we do it, you know? Absolutely. Well, my last question is I ask each guest to recommend another photographer for listeners to discover and explore on their own. So who would that one photographer be and why? Um, that's a, a great question. I have a huge resource of uh, people that I uh, look to for inspiration. You know, recently I've been looking at the work of Joel Sternfeld just because I think he combines uh, has a, or has a wonderful eye and ability to combine street photography and portraiture. Um, and travel even. And so I follow, I follow his work or, you know, I look through his, his past work quite a bit. I'm always, I'm always amazed at some of the fine portrait photographers of our, of our history, like Avedon and Penn. Those are also two others that of course I always look up to, but, um, yeah, I would say Joel Sternfeld's up there. Yeah. I'm not familiar with his work. I look forward to checking that out. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. He's been, he's, you know, he's been around, you know, 40 years or maybe longer. You know, his early, his early work was just hop in a van and explore America shooting large format environmental portraits that sort of combines street photography and portraiture it's, it's really great no, that kind of stuff I love <laughs> yeah me too that's actually what was my introduction into photography is that that sort of style is what got me interested in it for sure well where can people go to find out more about you and all the work that you do uh, you can go to my website jhandsomephoto.com and you can also go to my blog which is linked to my website but it's jhandsomephoto.com backslash blog I'm pretty active on there. I post new work every couple of days, try and post more resources. So if you are looking for grants or reading or even um, looking for other photographers work, I sometimes feature other, other photographers on there. Oh, great. Well, thank you for appearing on the show. I really enjoyed having a chance yeah, to talk to you and reconnecting. Likewise. Thank you very much for having me. The Candid Frame is supported by donations from people just like you. You can help support the work we do here by visiting the website at thecandidframe.com and contributing using PayPal. You can also support the show by writing a review in the iTunes Music Store or by adding a link to the podcast on your website or blog. The editor for this show is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. Music is by Kevin McLeod. And this is Ibarian X, and this is... The Candid Frame.